your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets the snap, holds it, looks, sets, throws, pass, caught, one deal, first down, hits on the 20, 15, shoots the defender, 10, 5, touchdown, Nebraska, one Dale Robinson's first touchdown as a Cornhusker. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Nate War. It's, it's dangerous as it is putting us in charge of a show. Yes. And uh, it's even more dangerous when you give us a top ten topic like we have tonight. <laughs> like, like, we basically need a... Like, like some type of a sensor, yeah, an well, editor. Well, I was, yeah, I was gonna say some some type of true judge of appropriateness <laughs> uh, to tell us, you know, if what we put down on our list is is acceptable or not. Because let's be honest, if this was a podcast version, the list would look a lot different <laughs> than than a statewide network version. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have the FCC money to uh, properly formulate my top. 10 well, and list. Baby Bobby probably needs some health care, so this yeah. job is probably necessary for you. Somewhat important. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll plus, th- plus, I'd lose my seat to the game on Saturday. Good True. Heavens. Yeah. Uh, but the top ten list tonight is top ten game day signs, college game day signs. Um, shout out to Lindy who uh, who came up with this topic, and you know. I expect them to there to be some, you know, gray area <laughs> with, with some of the creative work on the sign, and he gets a, a large sum of money for which he does the right thing eventually and gives to charity, minus the one case of beer that uh, that he had coming to him, but. Uh, that's part of the fun of game day. That's part of the fun that we've missed out on the last 12 years, not getting game day here in Lincoln. And I'm sure there are people listening to the, to us right now as they're hard at work with their magic markers in their garage, trying to say sarcastic and somewhat vulgar things about Ohio state. Yeah. But you know, as you said, it's part of the fun and, and the pageantry that we get having college game day here, it's really its really a cool thing. Speaking of college game day, I'm not going to take credit for this. Our boys in the back uh, did a great job lassoing Kirk Herbstreet from ESPN uh, for us earlier today, and, and I had the uh, the privilege of, of talking with him. So we're going to play that conversation for you tonight. Pretty cool deal to, to listen to a guy like that talk about coming to Lincoln and you know being a part of this and – it's not something we get all the time here. In fact, it's been 12 years, so you know, kind of a cool deal. Yeah, and uh, one of the voices of college football now, ESPN's sun, or, uh, Saturday night package is like Sunday night football in the NFL. I mean, this is basically the game of the week in college football this week, and, and so Herb Street gets to see the best of the best in college football, and so we'll get his view on what college football looks like this year. Yeah, so it was it was nice to uh, to hear from him, and again, we'll play that for you. We also got a practice report coming your way here this hour. You're over at practice earlier today. Look forward to uh, hearing what the defensive 
staff defensive coordinator Eric Shenander had to say to the media following the workout today. Coming up in hour two, Nebraska Volleyball Radio Hour, head coach John Cook and John Baylor will be in studio from 7 to 8 o'clock taking your calls and questions, so feel free to uh, to talk some volleyball tonight between 7 and 8, as we mentioned, Top 10 Tuesday. And we're going to talk some Husker hoops tonight. As they practice, they begin practice tomorrow. Uh, the Husker hoop team officially begins practice tomorrow. Yesterday, uh, you had a chance to talk with one of the newest Huskers, Hanif Cheatham. Your yeah. first chance to meet him. Yeah, great guy. I had a good chat with him, and he's probably one of the most experienced guys on this Husker roster. Yes, he is just beginning his Nebraska career, but he played two years at Marquette and including an NCAA tournament trip on one of those. And then he played for Florida Gulf Coast last year. So he's played big-time college basketball for three years, including a couple years of Big East basketball. And, and you can tell that he's got a maturity about him and an understanding of the game. And I think a guy who's going to be very important in leading Nebraska men's basketball and trying to settle a really young roster down. Yeah, so look forward to hearing that and talking some Husker hoops tonight as well. You're going to be a part of the show, 866-HUSKER-1, the number. 866-487-5371, the number to get into the show tonight. That's our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices and brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Nate, we have not heard from you since, uh, well, we almost didn't hear from you at all on Saturday after the game. <laughs> I uh, almost got left. Yeah, but we did. We you did make it on time. And, uh, you know, your, your reaction after – sitting on it for about 48 hours what you saw in Champaign and and the Huskers ultimately squeaking out a win and you say squeaking out a win and that's what's frustrating about it because you feel like Nebraska outplayed Illinois by a pretty good margin I mean total yardage and there was an adjustment to the stats today but 674 to 299 so you more than doubled them in total yardage uh, you're able to run the ball with a good amount of success you're able to throw for over 300 yards and yet you have to eke that game out and there are a lot of reasons for that a lot of self-inflicted wounds with 10 penalties with four giveaways uh, and with some struggles in the kicking game but you feel like those are all things you can address and to where this offense sputtered against South Alabama was pretty good for three quarters against Colorado. I think was solid against Northern Illinois. And they were running laps around the University of Illinois if they could just hold on to the football. So you feel like the offense has developed and all of that with the offense missing Maurice Washington for a half, with J.D. Spielman going in and out, with Diedrich Mills going in and out. Yeah, and those are three of maybe your top five weapons and probably your top two. So I was weirdly encouraged, you know, especially with Nebraska playing about their C-plus game. They were able to go out, get a road win, do a lot of things right, and, and you don't feel like they're going to fumble the ball four times again this year. You, you really wouldn't. I mean, you really hope that's the case. Boy, you sure hope not, right? Uh, especially this weekend with the, with the Buckeyes coming in. 
we've been talking a lot about Nate the the fourth quarter crunch time. Uh, l- let me let me go to the missed field goal and what you were thinking after after that thing clanged off the upright. Uh oh, like y- you could see the the door crack. I mean, when Nebraska took the lead in the fourth quarter, you felt like all right, this is this is the way it should be. Nebraska's overcome their mistakes. They're going to be all right. And as they put that last offensive drive together, you thought, all right, this is the dagger, and we're going to breathe easy, and we're just going to play out the string. But, of course, with the issues in the kicking game, and you miss a very short field goal, first off, you got to be able to punch that thing in for a touchdown. And I think everybody involved thinks that should have been a touchdown uh, drive for Nebraska, but they just weren't able to finish it off. But then you ought to be able to convert that field goal, and Nebraska's going to need to be able to rely on that field goal as Big Ten play goes on. However, you feel really good about what this defense was able to do. I mean, yeah, Reggie Corbin got his, as we expected, but, I mean, 71 of that was on the first two snaps. So you felt like, there was something off at the very beginning, but an adjustment was made. And even though Reggie Corbin cleared 100 yards, I mean, 71 of it was on two plays. Mm-hmm. And so you can dismiss that to a certain extent. So the offense was good if they got out of their own way. The defense continues to play pretty well. The special teams uh, are what worries me because you feel like there was regression there. The kick coverage unit really struggled. And it it wasn't because of the 10 guys running down. It was because the kickoffs were line drives that were easy to return. And, And so Nebraska was behind on field position. And so you feel like this game against Ohio State, you won't be able to overcome, you know, being behind in one of those three areas, penalties, turnovers, field position, let alone having a distinct disadvantage in all three of them like they did at Illinois. Yeah, definitely pause for concern with the special teams and especially moving forward, you know, for every passing day that that Barrett Pickering is not out there practicing, it's – it's a concern. It's a, yeah. a, the, there will be a game this year in the Big Ten where three points will decide it. Oh sure, and, and it's that way every year. And, and there, there's going to be more than a few. Actually, I mean, you think about this Western Division and and trying to figure out how it's going to set up. I mean, I think Wisconsin's shown themselves to be a cut above at this point. We'll see if that holds up, but. After that, you know, the difference between Nebraska and Iowa could be a field goal or Minnesota. And, I mean, even though Northwestern looks bad right now, every time they've come to Memorial Stadium, that's been a one-score game. So, Barrett Pickering, please heal quickly. Right. We're as often rolling here on Sports Nightly. You have any hangover thoughts, questions, concerns of the Husker game on Saturday, feel free to dial us up. Think you can guess the Husker score? Submit your prediction with the NEX guests on Facebook.com slash Huskers, and you could win a $200 gift card courtesy of Nebraska Crossing. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Kirk Kerbstreet from ESPN. That's coming up next. To welcome on our first guest, Kirk Kerbstreet from ESPN, here for College Game Day here on Saturday. Kirk, 12 years, man. Been 12 years since you've been here for this. You excited to come back? 12 
years. I mean, I, I, I can't even believe that. You know, you, you start to go to certain spots every year, every other year. Um, you just kind of assume you'll you'll be back um, hanging out at Misty's for a nice uh, <laughs> nice meal, and uh, next thing you know, it's twelve years later. So, time flies. Obviously, this program has been through a lot since the last time we we've, we've been there, and um, seem to be in very very good hands with Scott Frost. And I know um, I know that so far this season's probably not quite what uh, maybe some people expected. But you got to remember. This is still a process, in my opinion. I mean, you go from four and eight, even though I think they had five losses last year that were probably by a touchdown or less. Um, this is still a team that's learning how to win, and, and Scott Frost is still going out and recruiting really good players that eventually are going to get them to a, a different level. But uh, I think it'll be pretty spirited, obviously, Saturday night, which will, I think, allow them to play their best game of the year. Whether or not it's enough, we'll have to wait and see. You know, I was, I was thinking about this when I was at the stadium yesterday and kind of what you what you alluded to. So many schools, college game day, you know, they, they get it every year and it's and it's probably just, uh, you know, ho-hum, they're here again. Not That's not the case here at Nebraska, as you'd expect. People are really fired up to have you guys here. What what do you and the crew think about getting getting to experience Lincoln and, and maybe some of your, your coworkers have never been here before? Well, first of all, man, because of the sport we – we cover we're so lucky that almost every week everywhere we go we're, we're even if we go you know last year this year i mean people people i think get fired up for their team and we just happen to be there and they they want to go show america how excited they are about their team so we're pretty lucky that we're covering this sport with a passion that follows it um but yeah i, I mean we love to go to i love to go to traditional places I'm, I'm kind of a traditionalist myself it's fun to go to some of the programs that are off the beaten path i mean it you know you go to pullman washington for example or far fargo north dakota uh those kind of places go go pretty crazy because you know we we don't get to those kind of uh those kind of schools very often um we're excited to be back in lincoln because i think there's great appreciation for the fans um you know, anybody you talk to no matter whether it's Big Ten or Big 12 or old Big 8 fans, they're all going to tell you the same things. I mean, you're talking about a fan base that uh, not only stands behind their team through the, the wins and the losses, but also if they get beat, you know, they a lot of times will give a standing ovation to the team that, that played real well. So uh, they're, just, they're just kind of uh, – there's certain towns that – like for me, I'm a baseball guy. When I think of baseball fans, I think of St. Louis. You know, I think they have great baseball fans. And uh, in college football, you would say Nebraska has has just incredible fans. And so, it's great to see uh, Scott Frost bringing back some of the traditions and some of the excitement that I think it's just just beginning to. He's kind of scratching the surface of where eventually it's going to be. But uh, rest assured that the college game day crew and everybody. It's associated with the show. We're, we're fired up to be coming in. It's one of those games you kind of circled before the year started. You know, week five, hopefully we'll be heading to, to Lincoln if, if both the teams are winning games and and ranked uh, as highly as we think they will be. And 
uh, and here we are. So, yeah, it's a, and it's an exciting uh, week leading up to it. Yeah, I'm happy to have you, uh, definitely. Well, what are your impressions of this Husker team? I know you're probably just, just getting cracked into your prep, but what are your impressions, what you've seen so far? Um, you know, I, I think it was a team, I mean, in Chicago, at the, the Big Ten media luncheons, you're probably there. They, they felt that this team was good enough to win the West, uh, get to Indianapolis and the Big Ten championship. And here we are four weeks in. And, and what I see is a team that's, that's still uh, developing. I, you know, I think offensively, it's one of those teams because of the quarterback on any given drive or any given game, uh, if they're clicking on all cylinders, they're going to be tough for anybody to slow down because of the system that they run. Uh, Adrian has such a good grasp of the offense. His ability to run and throw within the structure of the offense makes it tough. Um, I feel like it, it, they feel more explosive around him uh, with, with Mo Washington and, and, and Dedrick Mills. Uh, this freshman that really kind of exploded onto the scene because of some of the injuries. Uh, one, Dale Robinson, he gives him a different element, you know, when he's either coming in motion and taking a handoff or a jet sweep or even if he's in the backfield, like last week at times. Um, he's, he's a very, very different kind of player that, they've, that they have not had in a long time with his suddenness and ability to make plays in space. So I think last year it was kind of – there, there were some good players there, but I think if you ask most people, they would say that that was Adrian Martinez's show, and how he'll go will, will decide how the Nebraska offense will go. And I think because of Scott's system, that's still kind of the case. But I would tell you, I just feel just four weeks in, it just feels like uh, there's there's better weapons around them and more capable uh, people of helping out. Not even talk, we haven't even touched on J.D. Spielman and what he can do as a receiver. So I think we're beginning to see uh, where this offense is, is heading in the future with Scott. And um, let's be honest, after the four turnovers in Champaign, they're going to have to take care of the football. I mean, they've been fumbling all year, turning the ball over all year, and against the athletic ability of Ohio State. And a defense that, quite honestly, a Buckeyes defense, Last year had some issues. Ryan Day came in as a new head coach, made a, instantly made a, a quick change. He now has co-defensive coordinators. And through four weeks, now they haven't been challenged yet, but they're, they're executing and playing at a very, very different level, not the same kind of miscues and mental errors that they had a year ago. And um, be fun to watch that defense that Adrian Martinez as a freshman kind of had his way with in Columbus be fun to see a year later in Lincoln uh, how um, how both sides fare. Yeah, no question. Well, let's go to the other sideline and talk Buckeyes. Uh, you mentioned they haven't played the best competition, but it's hard to ignore the stats and the scores that, that they're putting on people right now. And, and for them, it started with Justin Fields getting eligible. What did he bring to this Ohio State offense that we've seen now uh, through four weeks that, that maybe they, they weren't sure of or Ryan Day wasn't sure they'd have at quarterback before he was granted eligibility? Well, I think the first thing you have to remember is Ryan Day was was kind of being championed as boy he brought it he brought an NFL offense into Ohio State with Dwayne Haskins and Dwayne Haskins threw 50 touchdown passes, almost 5,000 yards of passing was not a threat at all. 
to run the football, and yet obviously he's picked very early in the NFL draft as more of an NFL-style quarterback. And a year later, here comes Justin Fields from Georgia, more of your kind of your traditional dual-threat quarterback. And I think Ryan Day in his first year as the head coach, and incidentally he still calls the plays, is showing his his ability to 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 be flexible, his ability to change to the strengths of his quarterback. Um, he's now running a little bit more of what you'd expect from a dual quarterback, where they're going to run some zone read. Um, if you get overcommitted to stopping Dobbins and Fields running, then you're going to get a big dose of man beaters with the very talented group of wide receivers. They have about six guys that, that they feel pretty good about. And so I think it, it's a different way of attacking compared to what they did last year with Dwayne Haskins. But up to this point, four games in fields is in command. He He's not thrown an interception. I think he's thrown for nine touchdowns, maybe run for six. And so Right now, he, he comes into this game having, ha, having yet to be tested on the road where communication is a problem, but up to this point has been executing flawlessly. And, you know, you'd put Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts and Tua uh, at Alabama up, uh, up there, and then Justin Fields is probably just right in that category with the way he's looked up to this point. And like I said, we'll, we'll learn a lot more about him uh, and also uh, the Ohio State offense when they go into Lincoln at night and have to deal with uh, a completely different set of circumstances. Yeah, he's a special talent. There's no question about that. Talking with Kirk Herbstreit from ESPN here on Sports Nightly. Um, all right, uh, let's talk about Ryan Day now. He comes in. Urban Meyer is one of the best to ever do it, certainly not without some speed bumps along the way, and in steps in this young gun. You mentioned Big Ten Media Days. I, I was in, – in, enthralled with everything that was coming out of his mouth what was the conversation around Columbus Kirk about Ryan Day and and taking over for Urban and what people were expecting out of him well I I think anytime you replace a living legend a guy that still comes comes to practice um it's a little bit unusual a little bit daunting you know I think in in Lincoln it's just like Frank Solich and, and what he had to try to deal with I mean it's it's not that Tom Osborne was creating that shadow, but if you're Frank Solis, you sure feel it. Um, and I think that could be said about any of these coaches that have tried to fill the shoes of, of such great coaches. And I think Ryan Day has done an incredible job of kind of holding on to some of the, the, um, the things and traditions that Urban Meyer helped create and had so much success doing the way he ran his operation. You know, he, they brought in Ryan day who obviously was on the staff. He kept the same strength coach. He kept most of the staff the same. He made some tweaks to the defense, which we mentioned earlier, brought in a couple co defensive coordinators, but everything else for the players is kind of an autopilot from where it was. You know, they, they still lift the same way. They still go to training table. They, Everything is the same. So I think he's done a good job. Why change when everything's working so well for Urban Meyer? So he's maintained what Urban Meyer started, and yet the delicate part to it is trying not to be Urban Meyer. And for Frank Solich, you don't want to be T.O. Like, you want to be Frank Solich. And so 
that to me is the part that we're going to see grow. We're going to kind of learn more about him on the sidelines, his mannerisms, the way he handles adversity, uh, the way the way he handles that big fourth and three call from the opponent's 38-yard line with eight minutes to go in the game and you're down six. You know, what is, there's going to become moments where you start to develop an identity. And to me, we have not yet seen that. Everything has just been put in front of them. They're winning by 40, 50, 60 points. And so this is the game, these kind of games, where, like I said, there will be adversity. This is where you start this, – this starts to become his team after a game like this on a really big stage. Um, and he needs more of these kind of moments. But uh, up to this point, uh, and I don't know if you'll get a chance to – if you've heard him this week or you've been around him much, but a very, very likable person. Like if he was not a football coach, you would be drawn towards him. Like he's almost like if you're at a soccer game, a youth soccer game, and your kids are playing and <laughs> his his kids are playing, and he's standing there on the sideline. He's just he's, – it's like he's a dad. You know, I mean, that's the best way to describe him. Um, and he is, uh, up to this point, shown an ability uh, to call a game, like I said, whether it's Dwayne Haskins or Justin Fields. He knows how to attack a defense's weakness. And um, we'll see how he continues to grow as head coach starting uh, this Saturday, as I said, in, in some pretty tough set of circumstances on the road. Kirk Herbstreit from ESPN is our guest. Kirk, while we have you, I want to kind of broaden it up here for a second and just talk about the Big Ten Conference. Left out of the playoff a year ago. Uh, I know it didn't sit well with a lot of people in the conference that they didn't get a team in. Is, is running the table pretty much it? I mean, I know it's it's difficult because you don't know how other conferences are doing or you know, you got that X factor in Notre Dame in there as well. How How does the Big Ten prevent that from happening again? Well, I, I, I'll be very honest. I, 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 I watch every game, uh, try to every week, as many games as I can, at least the teams that are in the discussion. Um, I look at the metrics. I sit on the desk. I get asked two of the best four teams. And the last two years, Ohio State has kind of been one of those teams in the crosshairs, in the discussion. And I was very candid about what I thought about they, they don't say who are the most deserving teams. They say who are the best teams. And it's subjective. So how you might view who the best four teams are and how your listeners might evaluate who the best teams are and how I evaluate who the best teams are, it all it's all very different. And I think that's part of what makes it chaotic and part of what makes people get so frustrated. I can tell you as an Ohio state former captain, um, the fan in me, there's nobody who cheers harder for Ohio state. I love the Buckeyes. I openly admit that, but I also tell you that after 24 years of sitting in my seat and being in a position that I'm in, I have absolutely no problem telling people what I think, whether that's, for Ohio State or against Ohio State or anybody else. I treat every team the same. And the last two years, there's been, Ohio, like I said, Ohio State sitting there. And I've, I've said two years ago, I said Alabama 
should go ahead of Ohio State, which would put two SEC teams in the playoff, Georgia and Alabama. And, in fact, that's what happened. And I was shocked to the point where I walked off the desk because (laughs) I was so surprised that the committee got it right. They didn't do the AP poll where, you know, the, the, the easy way, the conventional way, just by, hey, let's be fair, let's put everybody, every conference gets a team, let's put Ohio State in, keep Alabama out. They didn't do that. And, and that shocked me that they were willing to do, in my opinion, the right thing. And then last year, I again, I, I thought Georgia uh, was a team that, that, that should get in there despite having a couple losses. It wasn't a popular opinion. But I watched them play, and I watched who they lost to, and I, and I felt that they were deserving. And so I also that year said Ohio State should be left out. So that's not me trying to make a point. That's not me ganging up on the Big Ten. I love the Big Ten. Like I said, I love Ohio State, but it is what it is. And if you don't have one of the best four teams, you don't have one of the best four teams. And and so I don't think it's about going undefeated. I think Notre Dame is an example of, of I, you know, I think they have a lot of cynics out there, but how could you not be impressed, objectively speaking, with Notre Dame going to Athens, Georgia, and taking on a top five team in Georgia, and walking out of there with a narrow loss, but looking really competitive. And if they get a pass interference call at the end of the game, they got a shot at the end yeah. zone to win the game. So anyway, I just think it's not about how many losses; it's about being fair and evaluating the teams. And I just think the Big Ten last couple of years. They've just barely been on the outside looking in, and you know we'll see if uh, if this year's any different, depending on how things shake out in December. Kirk, we've taken a lot of your time, but uh, you've seen a lot of the, the, this before. Nebraska and Ohio State, and Ohio State has has embarrassed Nebraska at times, and um, a lot of people are are hoping that the result is different. How are you expecting this thing to go between these two? Well, I think Nebraska still is, is in the building process. I think playing at home gives them a much, much better chance, obviously, with that crowd and how they can affect the energy. I think it would help them to start fast. Um, I, I think they've got to be able to jump out on Ohio State. The last thing they want to have happen is, is what happened in Champaign mm-hmm. last week where they, they got behind and had to play catch-up. I think Illinois is a very different team than Ohio State. Um, if to turn the ball over, get behind, it, it could be a long night. This is going to be one of those games because of the talent on Ohio State, especially in the skill spots, that everybody's everybody's got to do their job. You know, defense has got to leverage the football. Martinez has got to play great. And if everything falls into place and, and the crowd's into the game, then you got a four-quarter game and, and chaos at the end, depending on who catches a break. But if Nebraska has mistakes or if they don't play and execute the way they need to, um, then then it could it could be a, a game that's tough to watch for Nebraska. Yeah. Kirk Kerbstreit with ESPN with us. Kirk, we really appreciate the time, man. I know you're very busy, taking a lot of your time already. Enjoy your stay here in Lincoln, man. Hope everything's great with you guys and you have a safe flight and, and you enjoy the game. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes. Okay. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. So do we. Kirk Herbstreit, ESPN, with us here on Sports Nightly. Joins us on our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. 
This is Woodhouse. We're back with a practice report here from the defensive side of the ball after the Husker workout today. That's next. Every practice. We're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it. All season long. There's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself. And I think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it. It's time for a Husker football practice report on Sports Nightly. Practice report presented by JTEC Construction. With JTEC Construction, it's simple. When it's time to replace your windows, give the official exterior experts of the Huskers a call for free. For a free, no obligation assessment. JTEC Construction presenting our practice reports. And this is our first practice report of Ohio State Week. Eric Chenander addressed the media today at the Hawks Championship Center and Last year, of course, the Huskers took Ohio State to the wire, lost by one score. Eric Schneider was asked, what did Nebraska do well in that matchup with last year's Buckeyes? Yeah, I think that was the first game. I think we talked about it last year, the first game where I just saw a really good look in their eyes before the game. We went out for that first series when the onside kick kind of went haywire on us and we made a big stand. I think that set the tempo. Um, we got some turnovers. Uh, which was huge in that game. I think they played really, really hard. Um, obviously, Ohio State gave us some, um, did a good job formationally with a few plays that we needed to fit um, that we probably hadn't got to because we were still getting to the base of the system. So now we have to be able to fit all the different formations. Um, I think Coach Ryan Day does a good job of, of giving you a lot of condensed formations, a lot of formation in the boundary, a lot of just just things that you don't see on a day-to-day basis and so it's not necessarily the plays it's just being able to fit all the all the formations that they give you so the offense that they're going to face on Saturday hasn't really changed a whole lot Ryan Day the offensive coordinator from last year so hopefully some of that is able to transfer from last year's fairly successful pursuit to this year yeah you'd hope Um, I mean different quarterback different athletes but you know, hopefully the same principles apply. One advantage that Nebraska might have in preparing for this matchup as opposed to some schools, the fact that Nebraska's offense shares some DNA with Ohio State's offense. Of course, Chip Kelly, kind of the godfather of it all, as uh, Scott Frost coached under Chip Kelly at Oregon. And before that, Ryan Day coached under Chip Kelly at New Hampshire. And so Janander was asked about the similarities between the two offenses. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a very similar, um, very similar situation. Like you said, there's a few differences in the offense, but there's a lot of similarity. Uh, you know, one similar thing is, is when we play against our offense, we, we don't know what we're going to get. Uh, the tendencies aren't huge. The formations never stay the same. I think that's similar to Ohio State. You know, they showed a lot of different things on film. Uh, not a lot of tendencies to, to dial in with three games in, a new offensive coordinator, a new head coach. So it's, it's much like that. You have to play rules football. You have to know your assignments, and you have to give your eyes in the right spot. Of course, Ohio State's concept of what they want offensively is so much more developed with all the weapons they have. But that Ohio State offense is hopefully how it looks for Nebraska down the road. Yeah, being disciplined is going to be a, a big key on Saturday to, to do your job and do it well. 
And you have to imagine there will be plenty of run fakes and things like that to where the safeties are, in particular are going to have to be smart about what they're doing out there. Of course, to have a good offense, you have to have a good quarterback, and Ohio State has found one in Justin Fields, completing 70% of his passes, 13 touchdowns, still hasn't thrown an interception, a good start for the Georgia transfer to his Ohio State career. And Eric Schnander was asked what stands out about Justin Fields. Probably the same thing when you guys watch it, right? He's big, he's fast, he can throw it really good, um, and he's operating their offense right now. You know, the, probably the question mark with him was, can he come in and, and take command of that offense? And so far, he's done a pretty good job of doing that. So he's a, he's a really good football player, and he's going to be a good challenge for us. He's settled into a weapon-filled offense, but... You know, he, he's also got the physical attributes to be very difficult for Nebraska to try and stop. Be their best test by far, and, and to have a true dual threat, threat guy, that's going to be a, a change of pace from what we've seen the last few weeks. I would say with a fair amount of confidence, the top two quarterbacks in this Big Ten are going to be in the building here in Lincoln on Saturday. Wouldn't you agree? I would, I would agree with that, yes. And I think there's a pretty big drop between two and three. I don't, yeah, I don't think that's an exaggeration. I mean, especially the way Shea Patterson's played this year. So the Huskers having to prepare for somebody very tough at quarterback for Ohio State, who is trying to mimic Justin Fields, or Janander was asked. Uh, we, we've got a, a few different guys, but, um, you know, we've got Luke McCaffrey down there giving us some reps. I know he's got to stay up with the offense some and, um, because he's a part of their their package as well. So, um, but he's given us some reps, and then obviously Matt Masker's done a great job at quarterback all along, and so is Braden Miller. So, so it's good that Nebraska has mobile quarterbacks that that can give the Huskers a look. And Eric Chenander was asked about some of the principles of facing mobile quarterbacks. Yeah, I think the the one thing it changes is, you know, your calls and how you operate in the calls you have to always account for the quarterback in the run game which is you know you're almost playing option football a lot when that quarterback is a, is a viable option um, last year <coughs> Haskins could do it he didn't want to very much he was more of a pocket passer you know he obviously he's in the NFL now because he can throw the ball really really well um, but fields can can make you make you earn it in the pass game and the run game so you always have to account for him on every play it's the one element Fields has that uh, his predecessor really didn't in the fact that, you know, Haskins didn't really want to run, whereas uh, Justin Fields, I don't think, shares that reluctance. No, he will tuck it and run it. Good stuff. Coach, the youth national team just uh, did something that's unprecedented. What does that say about youth volleyball in this country? It says that whatever all all the stats are saying and what everybody's saying and what I've seen is volleyball is growing it's the most popular sport girls sport in this in the United States it's gone everywhere club is I mean, there's huge club tournaments kids are playing um, I've said all along that there's a lot more good players now spread out over college you're seeing that this is the results of all this and the youth team which is 19 and under just won the world championships in Cairo, Egypt. And uh, it's unprecedented. The, the only other t time they medaled was when Michaela and Kenzie were on that team. They played in Macau, China, 
and uh, they won the silver medal. Michaela was a middle, Kenzie was a libero. So, um, you know, and and that team was represented by a player in, in from Nebraska that was on that team. And, and, uh, Whose name you cannot mention. Well, yeah, I need to be careful of that. But um, she's a high school player here, and she made that team. And um, But, wow, what, what you know, it's, it's unprecedented. And just to put it in perspective, so they beat Italy in the final. Italy's team, when they're 15 years old, they take them and start training them. And they're all, they live together, they mm. train together, they go to school. They play in one of the Italian professional leagues as high school players. So that's how they're training. And for this team to get together and go there, and they lost to Italy in the pool play, but then they beat them for the championship, uh, and I think it was in five, um, is pretty remarkable. Mike in Omaha. Hello, Mike. Great to have you on the Nebraska Volleyball Show. Hey, KB, uh, I like your story about Russ Rose putting in a good word for Nebraska with Kelly Hunter's mom, and this might have changed history. Uh, it really raised my regard for the guy, and I, I know his former players think a lot of it. Yeah, it's a story I mentioned on the NET Nebraska Volleyball 2017 championship video they put together and how uh, 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 Kelly's mom said that, yeah, she was going to take a trip out to Penn State with Kelly, and, yeah. and Russ is like, fine, you know, he's hurt. The mom, Lori's former assistant coach at Nebraska. Yeah. You're welcome to come, but why? You got a great program down the road in Lincoln. And yeah. Lori's like, You're right. Yeah. That's so. how she hey, told Hey, coach, I got a question. I yeah. got a question about Knuckles. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned already. Uh, how's she doing with her concussion? She, she's good to go. She was in practice today and looked like a typical freshman. <laughs> so. You know, it looked to me like you got two good liberos. And when I heard that Knuckles was coming here and I heard what a great hitter she was and I saw her, I was thinking of Annika in the back row attacks when she started in the back row. Is there any thought of, of uh, maybe doing some of that with, with Knuckles and so we can take advantage of what a great hitter she is? No, she is a really good hitter. So is Kenzie Maloney. Um, but, you, you know, the thing is, we've, we've toyed with it. The, the problem is you start letting them work on hitting and think they're hitters, and then they forget what their real job is, you know, because they're just like, hey, send me the ball, you know. <laughs> Your job's to pass it and dig it. <laughs> so it kind of sends mixed messages in a little way, so I'm always reluctant to do that. And uh, I mean, you've thought about taking Kenzie oh, Knuckles yeah, and playing yeah. her in the front yeah, row? I thought about Ken, Ken, Kenzie Maloney was begging me to, you know, we would set her out of the back row. But she, she couldn't jump. As a libero. As a libero, she couldn't be. Before that, she was a defensive specialist. Oh, she could, yeah. So, but back then when she played, we had Justine. So we actually, she went played on the left and Justine went on the right. And typically you want your back row hitter hitting out of the middle of the court. So You had an anyway, excuse not yeah, to so her. Yeah, so her senior year, she's a libero. She goes, Coach, they were, I won't say we were, it was one, it was a team we were playing toward the end of the season who, she goes, will you play me an outside hitter just one game? Mm. And she would have, I guarantee you, she would have. Put up some numbers. Oh yeah, she would have been, she would have been psyched up and. So a great hitter's a great away. hitter despite great. height. Yeah. Sadly, back to us. Yeah, a bit of a step down. We'll we'll try to we manage fell any. Three help. votes short of having those two just carry us home for the last hour. Yeah. So blame yourself. Yep. You know, so it goes. We'll do it. We let's be honest. That that ceiling's pretty low. Well, and and this is also a fair warning. For the folks of what's about to come here in a few minutes, on the best college game day signs, (laughs) 
this could go anyway, but I have a feeling I know which way it's going to go. Yes. And uh, yeah, we'll just we'll get through it as best we can. Hopefully, we'll still have jobs at the end of this, right? If not, go down swinging. There you go. Thanks to uh, John Baylor, John Cook, in all seriousness, for Nebraska Volleyball Radio. They had some great questions. Kudos to you fans for calling in with your volleyball questions. Head, headman was very impressed with, uh, with the questions he was given. 866-HUSKER won the number. 866-487-5371 the number to our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Here in just a second, Top 10 Tuesday. Also, before we say goodnight tonight, We'll talk some Husker hoops with Nebraska graduate transfer into the program, Hanif Cheatham. Nate had that conversation with him yesterday over at the press conference. Without further ado, let's count it down. We think them up. We count them down. It's Top Ten Tuesdays on Sports Nightly. All right, gentlemen. This was suggested to us by a co-worker. I, I literally walked in the office. What day is today? Tuesday? My days are already messed up. Yeah, it already it, feels like a Thursday to me. It, it's Tuesday because it's top 10 Tuesday, Ben. Come on. This is my issue. It already feels like Thursday to me. <laughs> like the, the week is going by this slow. So yesterday, seems like a year ago, we walk in and they're like, hey, if you had a, a sign for game day, what would your <clears throat> game day sign be? So no, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I got nothing off the top of my head. So <clears throat> that inspired us to commend the creative, the uh, the best college game day signs of all time, with the caveat that is appropriate for radio. Yes. So, Austin, are you playing along with us tonight? If you'll have me. Austin's busy at the moment. Are you, You're definitely playing along tonight. I am. I am. I, uh have compiled my list of 10. I'm set. I think they're mostly appropriate, but we'll see. I think we have Austin. I am not you, busy anymore. Are you playing along with us tonight? Are, will you have me play along with you? If you can if you can fit it in the rules of the uh, <laughs> uh, 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 the con- con- confines, the constraints of radio, public radio, then then yes, you can play along. Have a good time, you two. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, We're good. Nate, why don't you go first tonight? Okay, my number 10, and I had forgotten about this one. You know, there are just so many signs that you, you kind of lose them all. But So went on the Internet, reminded myself of some of them. Uh, it was a cold day. A guy is obviously shirtless, holding up a sign that says, I'm naked. <laughs> was he naked? We can't tell. We don't know. But what we do know is there was people surrounding him. Right. So... He, he well could have been. Who can say? Bold move. Yeah. But, hey, he got, he got the attention that he, uh, that he craved. So a few of mine are – they fall in the same dynamic. Like, mm-hmm. So basically the punchline is something like right, someone on the team that you're playing, right, against something mm-hmm. that's very not cool or not hip, right? <laughs> so, like – Ryan Day wears New Balance shoes or something like that, you know? So I've got yes. a lot that, like, fall into that criteria that are just too funny to not be on here. <laughs> and uh, that's where we're going with number 10. My number 10 is Dabo Sweeney takes two bites to finish a potato chip. <laughs> <laughs> like, what have you ever seen somebody do that? Nah. Unless you've got the big Doritos, 
you know, th- then then I can hear an argument. But even then, I mean, what are you doing? Maneuver. Hey, then again, Dabo Sweeney's kind of a goof like that. I can totally see that. Sure. Austin. That's me. You're All up. Right. Number 10 for me is a very specific joke aimed at specifically one person. Jim Harbaugh khaki jokes. You know, very very specific category, but it's very relevant after Wisconsin um, undressed Michigan on Saturday. There's a sign back in the day that made Harbaugh into Jake from State Farm. That was a good one. Uh, signs that say he wears off-brand khakis. I can't personally speak to what those are. Yeah. But part of it, too, is that it's Jim Harbaugh. He's just inherently memeable. He has his shtick. People get him for it, and I just think they're funny. Yeah. God, he's such a goof. Well, Harbaugh and khaki pants go together like peanut butter and jelly. Yes. I There could be a couple Harbaugh signs there might here be. in Lincoln. Yeah, I there mean, might be. You got both fan bases. I mean, Nebraska fans don't hate Michigan, but there's not a whole lot of love there. Yeah. And Ohio State, there is no love there. Yes. So there could be some Harbaugh signs this week. I would welcome it. Yeah, I'm good with that. Guys got it coming. Yeah. All right. My number nine on the other side of that rivalry, uh, Urban Meyer photoshopped to look like a hot dog. (laughs) And then the sign had Urban Meyer like Oscar Meyer, you know, the brand of hot dogs. So it it amuses me to think of Urban Meyer as a hot dog. Yeah. Hot dog Urban Meyer. I don't know. I don't know how you land on that. But, yeah, good on you. All right, my number nine is actually from this year, and it was a, it's a poor Tennessee fan that, that's holding the sign. That's, and this is, of course, stemming from the signs that say, you know, we want Bama, we want the Patriots, blah, 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 blah. Well, this person said, we want Georgia State with it crossed out. We want BYU with it crossed out. We want UT Chattanooga, question marks, question mark. Boy, boy, things are bad in Knoxville right now. I feel I, – I wish I could say I feel bad for those I'd, people. I don't. Yeah. Over three in the feeling bad department for Tennessee. My number nine, though, poked some fun at the Oklahoma Sooners. This was an Oklahoma State fan. I have to credit them for this one. They made a sign that said, even your mascot is a bandwagon. Nice. (laughs) You do like that. Clever. Yes. Accurate, too. Mm -hmm. All right. My number eight, uh, anything that rips on Nick Saban feels right uh and this one was saban is an angry elf <laughs> oh <laughs> like, like from the movie elf. did they have like a elf head on him or something i do, they didn't have the a draw i feel like i feel like visual representation would have made that better oh yeah no kidding like could it could it could we have combined the elf hat yeah and the straw hat that he always wears to practice yeah God, I, I feel perfect. like it, i feel like that was a missed opportunity i feel like we got halfway there with that Right. Could have taken it to another level. The words were there. The pictures were not. Exactly. Uh, All right. My number eight stems from one of the more interesting, weird, fascinating college football stories ever. And it says, the last time Notre Dame won here, Manti Teo's girlfriend was real. (laughs) (laughs) We all remember the story where, right, it was like right before the national championship game, he got catfished. And for for those that don't know what catfished is, so I don't remember who it was, right? Was it an assistant coach, like a coach or something? Like, because it was was a Tuiasa Sopo. Hey. Her, her name was Lene Kakua, wasn't yeah. it, or something but, like that? So essentially, he he 
had a girlfriend that wasn't real. Yeah. Somebody else controlling social media, acting to be this person, and then he goes to find out that she is indeed not a real person. Yes. And, and it became a story in 2012. And apparently, like, didn't this fake girlfriend, like, have cancer or something? Yeah, and yeah, overcome got sick. And, yeah. yeah. Just a weird yeah. deal. Weird. Like, right before the national championship. Yeah, and, and everything came out just before they got pantsed by Alabama. Yes. I have Manti Teo here at number eight as well, but <laughs> slightly different variation. This one is, I believe, from the Georgia-Notre Dame game last Saturday. So it mixes old and new with this joke. It says, don't worry, guys. Manti Teo's girlfriend just entered the transfer portal. Ayo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Is that an Ayo or a Teo? Oh. Wow. We're sharp tonight. Uh, my number seven, speaking of sharp, uh, Tebow is cut more often than my lawn. This oh. is from a few years ago, ripping on Tim Tebow. And he might have even been on game day that year, but he just couldn't stick on an NFL roster. But somehow he's able to stick on the Buffalo Bisons roster in AAA. Here's some, uh, some foreshadowing. This isn't the last time Tim Tebow will make an appearance <laughs> on the best college game day oh, signs ever. Too easy. All right, my number seven, it, it, it's captured at Oregon. So I'll just put Oregon at number seven. But two specific examples. The sign literally said, this sign has as many national championships as Oregon. <laughs> and the other one was 7,284 uniform combos, zero national championships. With the zero as the oh, Oregon as the, uh, logo. Yeah. Yes, I do like that Solid. one. Solid. Always a good play. That's a classic. Number seven for me uh, rips on Alabama fans. It says, Bama fans would hate this sign, but they can't read. So, you know, ripping on the opposing team and its players is one thing. We do have to call out the fans sometimes, too. There are plenty of variations of that one. And even with the players, you got the, uh, you know, Forrest Gump would still be Alabama's smartest player, that kind of thing. (laughs) So that's cracked me up. Oh, yes, yes. Well, Well, the best is one like an LSU or a Mississippi State comes after alabama it's yeah. like <laughs> kettle hot yeah black yeah right <laughs> goodness uh number six cowherd hates santa just makes <laughs> sense he's angry he is he's evil he is an angry elf conversation he's, too and, and with those ears yeah he, he actually the might eyebrows be and the nose my goodness Who's, they, can we get some investigated can we get brett on this <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we we need ancestry.com to be dispatched here so <laughs> It is Colin Cowherd actually an elf? Discuss. <laughs> oh, man. But he hates Santa, so he hates his employer. Yeah, true. Um, my number five is, is – we're on six, right? Yeah, we're six. on six. Yeah, six. My number six uh, takes a nice shot at our friend Lane Kiffin, and he just so <laughs> happened to be on the set. And there's a picture of Lane Kiffin, right? And then there's a sign that says, remember when Lane Kiffin had a job? <laughs> 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 Unemployment humor is per- great. Perfect timing and placement, too. Like, oh. he's literally sitting there, and you can see the sign in the background. <laughs> Good heavens. Roasted. I noticed you didn't argue as hard for your boy Lane in our uh, top 25 meeting this year, Ben. Yeah, that, that was a one and done. For, that was a Kentucky rule for me. Oof. One and done. Out. Tapped out. That's fair. I respect that. All right, my number six here. One person made a sign that said, Real men cry to Rinaldi. <laughs> That's true. This is true. You know, there's not a whole lot of crying in sports unless you're, you know, Michael Jordan at your Hall of Fame induction or you're listening to Tom Rinaldi on Saturday mornings with the piano music behind it and all. Just no shame in that one. Yeah. Yes. 
you, you, you've got to watch Rinaldi like at the right time. You, you can't be at like watching it at a tailgate party or or with a group of friends of a certain sensibility. Now, nah, Rinaldi is best watched alone. Yes, absolutely. Maybe when the lights are off too. Exactly, exactly. All right, into the top five. This is from this year, but it pops up quite a bit. And this comes after Oregon as well. And it was Duck Hunt, and it's like a screen yeah. capture from the game, but Abby <laughs> the Tiger holding a Hold, duck. Holding the duck, yeah. Yes. Okay. It, it, that's a classic anytime Oregon's involved. Definitely. Um, you know, I really debated to put this on my list because it, it would just look like and it probably will to some just completely sour grapes, but it's just so good that I, I couldn't leave it off. And believe it or not, it wasn't a Nebraska or an Iowa State fan mm. that had the sign. It says, well, obviously Iowa State because they're there too, but win or lose, we don't live in Iowa. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yes. Make, make yourself feel better. Indeed. <laughs> I would hold that sign. Make one. I might just have to. Can it, I might bring it to the show on Friday. We'll see. Anyways, all right, my number five. You can insert any player here. This one was made uh, back in the aughts for Mr. Deshaun Kaiser. This fan ripped on him saying, Deshaun Kaiser punts in Madden. <laughs> I, I saw that one earlier and, and told Nate that. Yeah, what, what a loser. Let's yeah. Go for it. You just <laughs> don't do it. To You're not playing for a real trophy. Yes. Speaks to a weakness in character if yeah. you're punting. <laughs> Uh, He's probably playing with himself in Madden and can't make an accurate throw. Whoa. That's true. Uh, My number four, uh, this was when game day was at a Temple game, no less, which who'd have thunk that. Uh, So they're in Philadelphia. Last time Lee was here to sign the Constitution. (laughs) (laughs) I had a picture of Lee Corso photoshopped on one of the founding fathers' heads. Oh, that's good. Classic. My number five, or we're on four, four. now. My four, we're, I'm staying in that part of the country. I'm just hopping over a state. Okay. I'm going to uh, when it was in the Big Apple, and one young lady was holding the side that said, Go Rutgers, LOL, JK. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> sorry, Rutgers. Are, Are you, you sorry, though? No. <laughs> on the wrong end of every joke. The, the best was when they scored a touchdown last week, <laughs> and it's like – Teddy put it the best in his column. He said something like, you know, even your – you can't even celebrate correctly without your, your <laughs> quarterback going to concussion protocol or something like that. <laughs> Lineman just clocks at Kowski in the face. <laughs> Jersey tough right there. <laughs> Spent Super Saiyan on him right there with that one. All right, on to my number four here. This one's a little bit more pertinent for me. Hit close to home here as I am – Getting closer, drawing closer to graduating from college. Not too long ago, a guy posted his resume on a poster board and held it up. <laughs> there you go, Austin. Let's go. I respect that grind. I respect the hustle, even when college game day is in your cité. The one gripe, he didn't have any job experience. Boom. Bummer. See, you got him beat. I mean, this is a golden opportunity for you, Austin. What, are you I'm trying to get ahead. rid of him? No, not really. But the, the boy's <laughs> going to need to pay his bills here pretty soon. Yeah. Student student loan payments are no joke. Get a Regents, kids. Yeesh, yeah, I suppose so. Uh, my number three, another video game capture. Uh, it was 
a it, or it looked like a video game screen capture. It was from the game Tecmo Bowl, and it was with Lamar Jackson, and it was animated with him spiking nice. the football like the screen <laughs> you would always get after touchdowns. Extra points for creativity and giving me something a little more than just words on a on a poster board. I feel like Tecmo Bowl screams to you a little bit. Fits in fits in the wheelhouse. I love the Tecmo Bowl. You're really gonna love my number three. Yes. It is, of course, Alabama versus Auburn. <laughs> Hide your trees. Bama's in town. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Harvey Updike oh, reference. Oh, my, my goodness. Hide your trees. Bama's in town. Oh, no. Oh, no. Can't That's... leave that one alone. Oof. No. Poor Tumor's Corner. Wasn't Christ just there? Yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. I. Hopefully not with a uh, supply of spike herbicide. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Grice has any animus toward Auburn, but... Aren't those trees going to die? I don't care. (laughs) Brett, while we're doing this, find that phone call. I want to hear it at some point tonight. (laughs) Yes. Harvey Updike, Paul Feinbaum. All right, go ahead, Austin. All right, so mine was targeted at Army in this usage, but it can be sent out to basically any team. It's why doesn't blank have a website? Can't string together three W's. Ah, it's not good if you can't do that. Y- you get a few of those uh, those classic formula jokes, right? Yeah. All right, to number two, uh, and this was from actually last week, but I enjoyed it. Uh, Notre Dame at Georgia. Uh, Notre Dame, of course, legendarily an independent. And like the famous play like a champion today sign in their tunnel, play li- play in a conference today. <laughs> <laughs> this is really great. Yes. Sing. Love it. Uh, my number two is only suitable to f- friends and uh, appreciators of The Office. Dabo Sweeney is friends with Toby. <laughs> <laughs> he would. He would be. He would. <laughs> That's funny. All right. My number two, I think... Both of you are going to enjoy this one. It rips on Tom Brady. Good. It rips on the SEC. Like it. Tom Off Brady's to footballs start. are still less deflated than SEC schedules. Oh, yes. Get a lot of schedule jokes on, yeah. the, on the poster board. We do. Uh, as well you should. I mean, come on. This is college football. You play three crummy non-conference yeah. games in some leagues. Throw them on there. Absolutely. All right. My number one. This is a few years old, but I still find it hilarious. Of course, West Virginia was hosting game day. West Virginia is celebrating victories by burning couches. So a West Virginia fan, both mocking that and their former coach, said, I'd burn my couch, but Rich Rod is sleeping on it. Rich Rodriguez, (laughs) the old coach. Oh, man. I'm sure that got a lot of play in, uh, in that state of West Virginia. Yes. Pretty good. All right, my number one, it, it ties in schedules. It times in Tim Tebow. Tebow helps third world countries. SEC schedules them. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Nothing more needs to be said for that no. one. That's no, spot that's spot on. It's beautiful. All right, my number one college game day sign of all time. Ben, you had an office reference at number two. I have one up here at number one. When game day uh, had Baylor, Baylor was playing somewhere, it said, Baylor prefers pizza by Alfredo. Ooh, yeah. 
That's the wrong one. I Both in quality ingredients and overall taste. <laughs> I believe is the office quote. That is the office quote. Oh, so, man. So All right. Well, what kind of game day signs do you have on your mind? Brett, let's get those phone lines open. I know people have been stewing about it. There's people in Lincoln right now, as Nate said, in their garage with a brand new neon green poster board mm-hmm. and a big, thick, really smelly marker yes. that they're trying to come up with something creative. Hopefully we, uh, we, we pushed you in the right direction. Spurred your creativity. Yes. Let the creative juices flow. Yeah. Now get after it and uh, get your game day signs out. 866-HUSKER won the number, 866-487-5371. The number, I think you can guess the Husker score. Submit your prediction with the NEX guess on Facebook.com slash Huskers, and you could win a $200 gift card courtesy of Nebraska Crossing. We'll take a break. We're talking some Husker hoops with Hanif Cheatham coming up next. You were, uh, you were creative in your way to recruit Hanif Cheatham into talking to you yesterday. Yeah, you know, it pays to know people i said seamus please can i talk with any cheatham <laughs> and, and, and when and seamus a- asks you to do something you do it yeah yeah uh so hanif cheatham had a chance to chat with him yesterday a graduate transfer played for florida gulf coast last year and husker men's basketball begins practice tomorrow and i started the conversation with hanif by just asking him you're ready to go yeah, it's going to be, um, you know, it's, it feels like forever, um, you know, going through off-season training and conditioning and stuff like that. But it's been a great off-season for us. Uh, I think we built as a, as a team, you know, good camaraderie, uh, good chemistry on the court and off the court. So, you know, starting tomorrow, you know, it, it all goes down. And I think we're, we're prepared the right way, getting ready for our first game. You are a graduate transfer. You came here from Florida Gulf Coast. What attracted you to Nebraska as you were looking around for somewhere to play your last year of college basketball? Yeah, um, you know, like they say, there's no place like Nebraska. Um, you know, just the, the fan environment, the, the people environment that you're always around on a daily basis, um, obviously the coaching staff, and um, just the guys that I knew that I was coming here with. Um, you know, I think it, was, it would have been a great opportunity, for, especially for last year, just to play in front of a great fan base and a great arena and a great environment. And, um, you know, it's something I couldn't pass up uh and you also are working with uh, coach fred hoiberg what uh, was there anything in particular about the way he goes about things that uh, that attracted you here yeah you know just everything that he stands for um you know even the history that he had with uh, iowa state with chicago and um you know just the type of person that he is um you know understanding that the game and the season is going to be having some mistakes but you know not getting too down on us and always encouraging us like listen guys you know we're going to have some hard times but as long as we pick it up and um you know just carry over to the next play and just understand that i got your back and, you know you got minds it's going to be a great season and um you know that's what you always want from your coach to give you confidence to give you encouragement and um you know that's what he gives 100 percent all the time you're a guy who has played at a couple different schools you started at marquette played a couple years there played at florida gulf coast and now you're at nebraska what are some things you do when you go to a new school to help you settle in acclimate acclimate with your teammates the new style of play and everything else yeah um you know just try to be around the team as much as possible um you know off the court i think it, it means a lot when you're trying to build team camaraderie especially with 14 new guys I think it means a lot and I think that's something that we've been doing a great job of the whole summer you know just being around each other off the court spending time with each other going out to eat and um you know because it carries on to the court so you know when I came into the program I just you know try to chill with guys as much as I can you know just try to make good habits for us you know especially for when the season comes 
one of the ways that you guys have kind of come together as a team is the fact that you had the trip to Italy. What did you gain from that trip? We gained a lot. Um, you know, with the whole new team, really, a whole new coaching staff, and getting to play a couple games, getting a couple games under our belt uh, as a whole group, I think was really good for us. I think we built good chemistry, we built good camaraderie on the offensive and defensive end. Um, and, you know, we, we, we know what coach wants from us when we step on that court. And um, now that we know, we just got to go out there and put it in full effect, you know, once the tip-off goes down. You talk about this being a new team and, and the new roster, new coaching staff. You being a new guy yourself, do you feel, because you're more experienced, like you have a bit more of a leadership role than if you were just going somewhere where everything was established? Yeah, um, yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, I try to I try to give guys encouragement, try to talk to them about my experiences as well, and just understanding that, oh, fellas, we got to stay in the gym, we got to work hard the whole time. And, um, you know, as soon as we do that, I think it really helped us throughout the whole season. And just understanding that, like I said earlier, the season's going to have ups and downs. You know, we just got to stick together, become one. And, um, you know, once we fight through adversity uh, after that, you know, once we're at the top, you know, it's going to be a great feeling. And then once we get that, that you know, that feeling under our belt, you know, there's no better feeling than that. Chatting with Anif Cheatham here on Sports Nightly, we talked about your path uh, playing last year at Florida Gulf Coast. But before that, you were at Marquette and part of a program that went to the NCAA tournament. What lessons can you take from that experience at Marquette uh, to help this program grow into the sort of program that goes to the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just understanding that it's, it's hard. You know, it's, it's not it's easier said than done. Um, and just understanding that once once we get through the hardship and understand that it's really hard to do it, um, you know, and we put that under our belt, and we, that's when we, we could become a great team. And, um, you know, as soon as we, we fight through it, practice hard, play hard, I think it's going to be a great season, feeling for us when we're watching the selection committee on a Sunday and, um, you know, our name gets called. Describe your game to somebody who hasn't watched you play yet. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a versatile guy, um, a guy who's who's could open down, knock down an open three, um, a guy who likes getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line, and then a guy who also plays good defense. Um, you know, just a guy who's going to go out there, give his all out, 100% every game, and um, you know, a guy who just loves being on the court. You know, like I said earlier, knock down open threes, get to the rim, and um, you know, just playmaking, finding my open teammates for good shots, and um, you know, just winning habits. We mentioned your prior experience as a guy who played at Marquette, so you've yeah. been on some big stages in the Big East, but how excited are you to get into Big Ten play and and face up against some of the great programs that you'll see in conference play? Yeah, Big Ten basketball, you know, it's no joke. Uh, last year, we played Michigan, at Michigan State, and um, I just felt the environment it was loud, you know, the, the student section was in it, the fans were in it, and that's just a great environment to be a part of, and um, you know, I know here at PBA, it's, it's nothing like it. I know it gets crazy. I know our fans are into the game and that's what we want you know we're going to put our all into the game we're going to have their, the fans backs and I know they're going to have our backs as well and you know that's just a great feeling to have you talk about Pinnacle Bank Arena and the place is sold out for a practice uh, I think you've heard uh, the uh, the opening night for men's hoops uh, this yeah. Friday Rick Ross is going to be in the house yeah. how excited are you to get in front of this Husker fan base with a full Pinnacle Bank Arena and yeah. and at least become a little more acquainted with the Husker fans um, I'm, I'm very excited you know that's honestly I can't stop thinking about it um, you know when Friday night comes around it's going to be a great time for us even for the fans it's going to be a you know a great event with Rick Ross coming and um, you know, just playing in front of them, seeing how how loud it could get. You know, I can't. It's gonna give me chills on Friday night. You know, once my name gets called and once the whole team comes out there. Um, but yeah, I've been thinking about it. I can't stop thinking about it, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, we're excited to see what you guys put out there, uh, not just Friday night, but all this year, and see how much uh, progress you guys can make this yes, year. Sir. Good luck, yes, sir. Thank you, my man. Appreciate it. Every once in a while. Things kind of fall into place. We're just talking about Old Crimson, the uh, Wazoo flag. 
has its own Twitter handle, mm-hmm. 11,000 followers, and they tweeted at us yesterday Whoa. saying, hey, Husker Sports, better make sure Bill Moose and John Johnson get out to wave the flag. Hashtag photo op, hashtag once a coog. Ah. So here we are talking about old, old Crimson, and they're, they're already uh, hitting the lineup. Well, you spin around three times in the dark and say it, and old Crimson pops up behind you. Shows up in the mirror? Yes. Don't say it in the bathroom with the light on yeah. or the light off. Then turn the light on. I'll be standing there. Yeah, exactly. Freaks. Man, this show, this this hour, ooh, boy. We started out on a good note with Kirk Herbstreet, and we all downhill from there. Yes. The good news is the show's over, so, so no more nonsense. We survived. You survived, humble <laughs> listener. Um, I'm out tomorrow. You're in tomorrow. I am. 50% of us will be here tomorrow. Yeah. The responsible 50% will be back. Greg will be back here tomorrow. Yeah, there will be adult supervision. Don't you worry. Thanks for sitting, man. Appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Thanks for the help on the back. Austin Orman. Thanks to Brett Woody. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to John Cook, John Baylor, Kirk Herbstreet, Hanif Cheatham. Thanks again to all of you. We're back with you. Sports Nightly tomorrow night. Have a great night. We're back at 6 tomorrow.